and welcome to the FAQ podcast, which invites conversations about various access to equity within the context of Aotearoa. We invite guests um, to share their lived experiences and effort to identify common threads within support systems, social networks, and knowledge that uplifts the collective human experience. Kelsey, what's our season one question? Uh, what does equity and support look like for various communities coexisting within one society? And today... Today, um, actually, yeah, we've we, we followed a trend of not introducing our mm. our, our um, guests because we want you to to tell the world what you identify as. So, what is so after the word, um, the sentence, I am. Finish the word. Finish the sentence. I am, and then jump in there. I feel like that's quite low today. <laughs> Go there. Tell us why. Oh, just, well. Look, basically, I'm a human. Mm. Uh, I guess uh, for the context of this particular podcast, I identify as a female. Uh, I am married to a man. Um, I am the mother of one child. And I'm a student at Wintech. Um... And I am a dog person. Yeah. When 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 did you know you were a dog person? Quite early on. Mm. Uh, we always had dogs. Yep. And I find um, that I talk to dogs a lot. I'm that crazy person that's like, "Hello, how are you?" to random dogs as I'm walking down the street. <laughs> <laughs> I had a full-on conversation with my dog yesterday. Yeah, my, yeah. my flatmate was like, "What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are you saying you're going to come give me a cuddle in yeah. a couple minutes?" I yeah. was like, I'm "Not talking to you." Yeah. <laughs> I just talk to them like any animal, really. Like they're human. Mm. Yeah, they are. Yeah, I think they understand a lot more than we give them credit for. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Sometimes 100%. I'm the only one at home, so you know, mm. it's better than talking to yourself. Oh, I don't know. I like talking to myself there, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes there's moments of clarity during that, eh? <laughs> <laughs> See, I like that you say moments because they, they are exactly that, moments. Yeah. Yeah, so no, that's me in mm. a nutshell. And, uh, and your pronouns? Uh, I guess I go with her, she, hey, you. <laughs> but you don't mind if like, no mm. I don't mind I prefer to be Ms rather than Mrs because I don't really think my marital status has really anything to do with mm-hmm. who I am as a human being mm-hmm. go there yeah uh, and mum mm. seems to be quite strong <laughs> why do you think like because there's Miss Ms and Mrs mm-hmm. but then for our masculine people there's only Mr yes why do you think that is? Because we need to put women into categories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trash. Yeah. Yep. I was I was literally having the same conversation um, with my flatmates is that we don't call girls who are completely flamboyantly feminine sissies. Mm-hmm. Well, from from the Pacifica lens, anyways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We call males who have any any sense of femininity sissy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or pufta or any of those other really buzzwordy um, I'm like you're so intelligent with your buzzwords you heard it from your friend and now you're using it without even really having any idea about what it means you're Mm. just copying it yeah but yeah so I feel like it's so on the same uh, walk of being like miss miss missus 
I mean, and some people love it. Like, yeah. they're really proud to be Mrs. Whatever. And it's not that I'm not proud to be married to my husband. Mm, it's just that it, it isn't actually my identity isn't that. Mm. Yeah. We're not even married on Facebook. Oh, oh, oh it's not official, Dan. No, That's I know. He's asked a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so there's like the physical proposal, proposal in, in, in real life, and then there's the internet. I'm like, mm, yeah. you haven't made it there yet. No, mm. we haven't. Yeah. I think also traditionally, like, the missus was an ownership yeah, thing Yeah, totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I was yeah. like, that's my wife. Yeah. Not, we are partners. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's fucked up. Property. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole nother podcast in and of itself. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a little. Just a little. Yeah. All right, so tell us about the different communities and community that you um, – either still belong to or used to belong to. And, um, yeah, so tell, tell us about that. And I have been that. thinking about this a little bit to try and think of a way to um, to verbalise it in a, in a mm. logical way. So I grew up in a um, fairly conservative Christian environment, um, although I'm saying that my parents weren't, like, super consistent churchgoers. But they um, they were in the early twenties and then did the the classic use them up, chew them out, spit them out, you know, scenario. Mm. So they kind of said sayonara. Um, but I kept going, and I think largely that was so I could be part of a community of te- of teenagers and stuff like that. So mm. um, I grew up pretty strong in the nineties in the um, purity culture, which. Um, is interesting. It mm. really forms a lot of your views of the world and of sexuality. Um, and I guess we'll probably talk about it a little bit more later, but um, it has, it's got a very long reach. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so I grew up in that sort of scenario. Um, in terms of my community... I kind of, and I think I talked about this with you guys a little few weeks ago, I don't really know necessarily that I have one. Mm. Um, I've never been that person that's had like that super tight group of friends that you just always hang out with. Like I never really found that. Mm. Um, I I don't think that's a problem. (laughs) Um, It's more just that I have lots of people that I am friends with or what have you that fit into loads of different spaces. Mm. And, like, the idea of having a party just freaks me out <laughs> because... Um, having to mix, having to mix them all groups? together, yeah, yeah is actually <laughs> super awkward. Yeah. yeah. Um, and really, I know that it's not up to us. It's up to people to, to talk mm. to each other. Mm. But there is an element of discomfort if you're not sure about other people's comfort. <laughs> I'm so glad that you articulated that in such a um, logical way because I've been trying to, to 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 figure out what that looks like for me as well. Yeah, and it's 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 hard. Like I feel like you nailed it on the like you nailed it because I I have a eclectic group as well. Like, yeah. and I feel like all of them hanging down in the same space. Yeah, it's not even necessarily that they won't like each other or that what have you. Mm, go there. It's just more that you're like, well, what do you guys even have in common? But mm. I guess they have me in common, <laughs> which you know it could be enough. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, so that's that's kind of where I'm at. I feel um, I don't feel disconnected, but I definitely yeah don't have a a tribe or something. Mm. I don't know. Um, our family we're pretty close to our families. Um, my in-laws actually live on site with us, um, which is awesome for our son because he gets lots of engagement in that with them. Mm. Um. Yeah, I don't I think that's as far as I can go with that without just wobbling on. Mm. No, that's good. Um, do you think that you're alone, and that, and or do you reckon there's a whole community of people who actually don't feel like they're act like you know they're actively a part of our community? And because I feel like, in saying that as well, I heard that you're you can hold space for a lot of different people. Mm. But do they hold space for you? Um, yeah, I think they must. Mm. I mean, for the most part, I think I'm one of probably one of those people that completely overinvests in relationships. And then what does that mean? I feel like you, like <laughs> me, 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 and Kelsey just took like one big like, breath, mm, like, yeah, like, yeah. like um, I can identify go with there, yeah. go there. Um, so probably traditionally, I've overinvested. And then being let down, not because of anything the other person did, but mm. because my expectations of the other person were that their expectations were the same as mine, which mm-hmm. actually wasn't fair to them <laughs> because we probably never really had a conversation about that. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. So um, I guess I expected that because I was putting in 100%, I expected they were also, but just because someone's your best friend, it doesn't mean you're theirs. Yeah, so, but whereas now I'm kind of at a place where, so I, I have a, a chronic illness. Um, I've got chronic fatigue syndrome, which um, is fine because on the outside I look fine, as you can see today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can have a look at the picture after Christmas. <laughs> um, but <laughs> what it means is that on the inside my body is constantly thinks it's fighting the flu. So my fatigue levels um, kind of elevate and dissipate sometimes on an hourly basis, sometimes on a daily basis, sometimes on a weekly basis. It's, it's completely random. Mm. And I've lived with that since I was 14. Um, but wasn't diagnosed until I was 20, so I just thought I was a hypochondriac for a very long time. But that's, again, a whole other podcast. Um, <laughs> so I think I kind of, after I had my child um, and had to put a lot of energy, chose to put a lot of energy into him, I think my expectations around friendships kind of changed. And so... Mm. I realised that maybe I hadn't made some great, not that I hadn't made great friend choices, but that probably my expectations of people were too high. So now I think I probably have none. Mm. And it's much better because any time that you get to spend with someone is a bonus. Um, But also it means that probably like I've got a couple of friends who are amazing and they always ring me, but I don't tend to ring people because I feel like, wow, this is quite deep. I feel oh, yeah. like um, I don't want to interrupt them. Mm. You know, like I don't want to take away from what they're doing. And because I don't expect, due to my previous experiences with relationships, that I'm a hugely important part in their life, mm. I don't want to, you know, interrupt what they're doing. So I think possibly sometimes my friends comment and she's like, you're really shit at communicating and keeping in touch. And I'm like, yeah, it's not because I don't want to. It's just because I don't want to, like, 
I don't want you to feel like I'm pushing in or so I think I've almost swung the other way. Mm. Yeah. But I've also discovered that I'm introvert, not an extrovert. So that's a big change too. Like lockdown, loved it. Amazing. <laughs> so good. All I had to decide was what I was going to cook mm. and what part of the garden I was going to plan for the day. And, you know, like that was amazing. I really enjoyed that. My anxiety levels were just zero. Could have been that I also doubled my meds because I was at home with my whole family for a very long time. But um, <laughs> but for the most part. We're going to skip that. We're yeah. going to skip that. <laughs> uh, yeah, for the most part, I really enjoyed that because it was just, you know, this little thing where everything was just mm. what it was. Mm. Yeah. And I feel like for me as well, I'll have to agree with you, lockdown for me stripped away everything that I didn't need to worry about. And I really, it really did make me analyze about what I was putting on my plate and what I actually needed on my plate versus what I overloaded it. Mm. And I'm like, I I feel like I've got like levels, like I've got like five levels to my plate now where I'm like, no, I need to just break it all down to just the foundation. Yeah. And I think because, because I live with chronic fatigue, um, I'm quite picky about what I invest my energy in. Mm. And um, sometimes that means that at the last minute I'll just bail out of something because I'm actually too tired yeah. and I can't bring it, so I don't. Um, and I feel like in some ways everyone else is kind of on that page now too where they're like, actually, I don't need to put all this energy into filling up my weekend with all this stuff. And um, it's actually quite refreshing and a lot of people have said, you know, oh, I feel like suddenly all the pressure to be involved with this and do that and blah, 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 blah just isn't there now. And we realise that we don't have to be so busy, mm. um, which is something I've always thought. I've, I always have been quite frustrated with people who you meet and you're like, hey, how are you? And they're like, oh, so busy. Straight away Oof. I just think, well, you've got really shitty time management skills. Like to mm-hmm. me that's not a kudos. It's not like a, wow, you're such an important human being. It's just a actually – you suck at saying no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or like prioritising what you actually want to yeah. invest your energy into. Yeah, totally. I totally get that. I hate when people say, oh, mm. I'm so busy. I'm like, cool. Yeah. What do you want me to do with that? Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. On over committing yourself. Yeah. Cool. Have fun with that. <laughs> Honestly, I hate it I'm, so much. I'm in love with this conversation <laughs> only because I've literally had to do a mental shift like mm. within the last half year. Mm. Of like instead of saying I'm busy, I'm like I'm distracted. I'm distracted with all the things that I don't want to be distracted with. Mm. I'd rather be busy doing the things that I want to do. Yeah. And yeah. I've I've been telling everybody like every time people ask me, I'm like I'm distracted doing work stuff to pay my bills. Mm. Like I'm distracted mm. doing like favors for other people when really I want to be. I'm like I kind of want to be selfish. And I say that because I feel like for me, I haven't been selfish enough, but I wouldn't like, don't take me out of concerts and don't come for me. <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah. I, I love the, the whole aspect of actually saying, what is it that's busy? And then it's like, when you're saying you're busy, it's like, I'm busy, which means I'm important. Yeah. When actually, I don't think the definition of busy is important. I think it's people say that they're busy so they feel important. Yes. <laughs> totally. Stop. I they're not ready for this. They're not yeah. No, you're, Get ready. you're absolutely right. Mm. Yeah, in my opinion. <laughs> in my opinion, which yeah. governs the whole society. Yeah. <laughs> you just want to feel important. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so what support is there out like is out there for chronic like so uh, chronic fatigue? So none, really. Um, 
you basically it's a label they give to people who don't fit in a box for any other illness. So I couldn't even tell you what my symptoms are now because I've been living with this for longer than half of my life. So my lived experience, mm. I don't even know what the mm. alternative mm. is. Mm. Yeah. But it, it's um, – so obviously diet, exercise, um, all of that kind of stuff has an impact on it. Um, but what I find too is that I will be as tired from going for a walk as I will be from this conversation – so it's mm-hmm. not just the physical, it's the emotional stuff that's really tiring as well. Yeah. yeah. Which is, uh, like, fine, because I, I, this is important mm. and it's fun. So, you know, you get a bit of a payoff. Um, and interestingly, my child has only just figured it out. So I feel like I've done quite a good job yeah. <laughs> for the last however many years. Because um, he, sometimes he'd be like, can we go and do blah, blah, blah? And I'm like, no, I actually just need to go home. I'm really tired. And then he said to me maybe a month ago, he's like, why are you always tired? Mm. And I was like, well, I have this thing and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, okay. And then something or other the other day came up too because he has to take medication every day. And um, something came up and I was like, well, you know, I have to take mine as well. And he's like, well, what do you take yours for? (laughs) And I was like, well, (laughs) for my brain. And he's like, what do you mean? And he goes, I said, well, because my brain doesn't make enough serotonin. So sometimes I feel really flat because mm. part of the side effect from his meds is that he feels flat. And so um, he's like, well, what does that do? And so I explained what it did and he goes, oh, well, you should take more of that because you're quite grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so Honestly. good. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> if only it was that easy. Uh, I'll just take a couple yeah, more yeah, today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, really? yeah it good could night. be due to our current conversation as to why I'm grumpy you know you could have part of to do with it um yeah so he's 10 now and um yeah and I think I'm quite proud of myself that I've got to this stage before he's really sort of started to realize the implications of it so I feel like I must have done an all right job of napping during the day when he's at school because yeah. <laughs> he probably doesn't know when yeah. you're resting and yeah. re-energizing re- right yeah. And it's probably like uh, the day that he finds out will be the day where he's like, what do you, what do you mean you do all of these other na- naps without me? <laughs> well, because yeah. one of the other things is I got an e-bike because we mountain bike mm. and he's so fast because he's a bit smaller than me, obviously being 10. Um, and so I got an e-bike because I was really struggling to keep up with him and because my fatigue levels were quite high. Mm. And he was so pissed that I got this e-bike and he didn't. Mm. It's like, dude, I got the bike for you. Like now we can actually go all day and it's fine because I can keep up with you and I don't have to work as hard and blah, blah, blah. But he still is really dark on me because I got the e-bike and he didn't. It's like, well, if you had one as well, it would completely defeat the purpose. Yeah. Wait, but does it look a bit flasher than his? No, because he also got a very nice bike during lockdown so that he was occupied. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good parenting. Yeah. All right. And then so you mentioned the purity. Yeah. Um, so tell, like dive into mm. that. Like okay. what does that look like for so, you? For those of you who um, were fortunate enough not to grow up in the church in the 1990s, you probably missed out on this particular joy, Kelsey. Um, <laughs> yeah. Joseph, however, did not. Um, <laughs> so in the 90s, there was this massive movement um, started by a guy called, I feel like his name was Joshua. Mm. I could be wrong. You can mm. edit that. Anyway, he wrote a book about, 
called I Kiss Dating Goodbye and it was kind of the beginning of the mainstream movement to um, to basically just not date mm. but to just meet someone and marry them. And the idea was that the first time you ever kissed was on your wedding, which um, I totally brought into because that, you know, it sounded really romantic and um, – you know, it sounded like something Jesus would be really happy about. Um, and, of course, I wanted to marry Jesus as my husband. turned out when you try to marry Jesus, you're actually putting a lot of pressure on another human being to be Jesus, which most people aren't. Um, so that adds a whole interesting dimension to your relationship. <laughs> Um, I love that you see you you explain these multiple complex <laughs> situations and just such a lovely like you know lighthearted. Well, I, I've like, kind of moved past the point where I'm bloody pissed off about it because yeah. it's really screwed me over, mm. and I'm like, okay, well, it is what it is. As much as I hate that saying, and you just have to go, okay, well, that was what I lived, and I have to do the best with the knowledge that I have now to move past all of that because I'm pushing 40 mm. and it seems like silly to carry all that around. Um, yeah, so that was kind of the idea. So I really only dated a couple of boys before my husband mm. um, and they were all very like non-physical relationships really because um, Jesus wouldn't have liked me to be pashing at Parachute, <coughs> which maybe I did. <laughs> Parapash. Um <laughs> But um, but coupled with that was I was a youth worker and I ended up teaching sexual health, which was great, except that it further reinforced that whole premise around sex not really being good. Mm. So part of so I worked for an organisation um, and our focus was in high schools and the idea was it was basically before informed consent was like a known phrase. Mm. But what we were teaching was actually how to say no. Mm. Um, it's quite a difference. It's eh? quite a difference. Massive Very difference. difference. Yeah. So part of it was, and I, I think what we what what we were working towards, I think was like it definitely had good intentions mm. um, because the idea was that you're helping people to realise they didn't have to say yes. Mm. And that um, my whole thing was I wanted people to have great sex but I wanted it to be in a context that they were comfortable with and happy with and ready for. Mm. Um, but the issue with it for me was that I was most days, several times, telling kids to say no. So that just further reinforced mm. that whole um, kind of premise of sex not being good. Mm. Not because I was saying it was bad, but because when you're saying no to something repeatedly, you the you know the parallel with saying no is that you say no because it's not okay um so you kind of put those two particular um things together and you then have a 23 year old who's engaged to be married who's spent the last 5 years of her life telling people not to have sex and growing up in a purity culture and it's actually a really difficult um, like switch to flick mm. because you go from this, you know, not especially physical relationship or one that you feel guilty about mm. when in actual fact there's no there's no premise for, for that. Um, there's nothing in the Bible really that talks about all this stuff and 
and probably to to make things even more complicated, we were also youth pastors. Well, I never called myself a youth pastor because I don't have a theology degree and I refuse to call anyone without one a pastor. Mm. Um, but um, we were youth leaders and I guess one of the things that we always really encouraged our kids to to look at was actually why does the Bible, what does the Bible say about these things as opposed to what are you being taught from the pulpit, which mm-hmm. some parents that didn't go over especially well. Um, oh, because they, they, they're not used to that type of whakaro. Nah. Like, yeah, that's not their... No, ironically, not, most of those parents' children were the ones that um, that we would say went off the rails. Yeah, go there. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, they've all turned out to be perfectly beautiful human beings mm. now, of course, but um, not quite in the way that their parents had hoped for. Um, yeah, so you kind of had that whole dialogue as well. So um, it was a really difficult transition because basically the deal with the purity culture was that God was going to bless your marriage and your sex life because you waited, mm. um, which I'm sure if God chose to, she could, but I don't know that necessarily that that's, yeah, I don't know that there's even any biblical. How dare you? How dare you? I'm going to rewind because I feel like everybody, if, if you missed that, God, she referenced in a she perspective. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm like, thank you for just doing that and just being that because I'm like, yo, ever since a kid, I've always been like, why is God a he? Because God is an authority. Mm. Yeah. And we don't and take authority from women. <laughs> no, but I feel like we're taught conditioning. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so authority true. is such a male figure. I know, right? Yeah. And all island households mums. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the funniest part is yeah. I'm like all island households mum. Yeah. Um, but wait, so how like so talk about that shift, like how yeah. hard was that shift? Really difficult. And to be fair, it put a lot of pressure on my husband. Mm. Um because I probably wasn't I didn't realise the implications that this had actually had on me. Like it's been a long time before I actually figured out, oh, shit, this was actually so ingrained that it makes it really difficult to actually have fun because in the back of your head you're still thinking, I'm not really sure that this is okay, even though it's the thing you've been waiting for. Mm. Um, So it's... I definitely have not made that particular element of our relationship easy. Mm. But in the same instance, because my husband, he, he did grow up in the purity culture, but not so deep in it. Mm. He um, he was engaged to a woman and lived with someone before we were married. So to be fair, that added a whole nother layer of, um, of complications mm. to that because um, part of the deal with the purity culture is that I'm going to wait for for marriage and so I expected that someone else would also do this you know I would be blessed in kind um turns out that's not actually necessarily true and or necessary at all (laughs) and that also like goes back to what you're experiencing in your friendships too of like you are doing this so you expect your friendships to be doing the same yeah yeah so I had all this massive resentment resentment for my husband Mm. for stuff he'd done that had nothing to do with me Mm. But trying to get your head around that as a 25-year-old who's been so ingrained in the church for such a long time, we totally believe all of this bullshit, um, is, yeah, it's pretty difficult. 
Um, I wouldn't say that we've completely overcome it, even though we've been married 16 years. But I definitely think in the last sort of five, um, it's been much better. And in part, that's because of some of the people in my community who have made massive shifts um, that I sort of started making myself 10 years ago with regards to how I view uh, religion and all of the values that go with that. Mm. Um, my brother and I are pretty close in, in age. Um, and and mental capacity as well? Yeah, he's one of my favourite people. Oh, yeah. oh, um, I've, I've got two brothers, just to be clear. Ah. Um, yeah. We won't name which one. <laughs> um, but... And often we share like crazy little things that we've seen on Instagram and um, we're like, oh my gosh, that's so talks to this or what have you. So um, that's been pretty cool having that sort of um, relationship where we can reflect on stuff and mm. yeah, that's been really encouraging. And I think there's generally the internet has been extremely helpful in kind of um, delving into a lot of this stuff in a way that um, is – helpful without being too confrontational because it's online (laughs) Mm. Um, because one of the most difficult things I think is actually when you so I guess the technical term for kind of where I am at with my my sort of thoughts around religion and Christianity in particular is that I have gone through a process of deconstruction Mm -hmm. um which can be quite difficult because usually the people around you are not also mm. deconstructing. Mm. And in my case, it, it probably took another five years before people around me also started doing a similar thing. So it's quite, for me, I'm, I tend to be one of those people that just like needs to offload all the shit that's in my head. And sometimes I forget that the spray from all of that actually, you know, lands on other people and yeah. might burn them a little bit. Um, so, I had to realise actually you just have to let people run their course and you can watch them and you know they're going to get burnt and spit out from the church but you've got to just let them figure that out for themselves mm. because the more you talk to them about that stuff, the more the harder they're going to fight you to not be that statistic. Thank you. Can you just say that one more time? I feel like that as a whole concept we need to amplify that because the mm. more, like, I've had a struggle with that as well, like, yeah. to just trying to meet meet halfway. Yeah. I think sometimes you can't. Nah, you, and you're And you right. just actually have to just watch it mm. and you're like, okay, I know I'm going to be there at the end um, and at the moment they might not really like me very much so I'll just keep my mouth shut and just wait. Did you have? Did you come to this by yourself, or did you have to go to like? To be fair, I found counselling quite unhelpful. Oh, so you tried? You tried the counselling route then? Yeah, I did. Um, but largely that was because I, because of my depression and anxiety stuff, mm. which was having quite a big impact on my life. Um, and then also it sort of tends to overflow into your marriage and your sex life and stuff as well. Mm. Um. But for the most part, I've I've just had to do this on my own um, because there, there really wasn't a community around mm. when I started processing all of the stuff that um, was able to talk to this. So to be fair, a lot of the stuff that I have worked out over the years, I'm now hearing from like people of authority through mm-hmm. podcasts and what have you, mm-hmm. which is nice because it, it re 
uh, what's the word? Like reaffirms. It reaffirms kind of yeah. what you're thinking, which I know that if you listen to things that are like you, that you can always get reaff- you know, reaffirmation mm. <laughs> in your particular line of thinking. Um, but it, it is. You're so smart for that. <laughs> like, you are so smart for that. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think um, everyone's on their own little journey and it's all going to be different for everybody. Mm. But I wish that it was one that I hadn't actually had to partake in because it has made life quite difficult in some ways. Mm. Yeah. Which I was expecting to be blessed in spades Mm. and instead I feel like actually I maybe got the opposite of a blessing. Mm. (laughs) Well, a blessing from their perspective anyways. Like I feel like... Come on, they they really like painted it, spread it wide. How like the promise? Yeah, that promise was glory and bountiful. Do you know what though? The guy that wrote um, "I Kissed Dad and Goodbye," yeah, last year he took it all back. <laughs> I'm sorry, I might have peeked there, but <laughs> yeah. Wait, so what do you mean by he's he? he oh, took he realised that he like... had some errors, and uh, that actually oh. it, it wasn't a great idea. Yeah. So I think he wrote a new book, so he's making money off that as well. Yeah. See, and I think <laughs> this is this is my problem when it comes to like re- like talking about religious um, uh, institutes yeah. in the twenty first century because it's like the people that are in there right now have no idea the history of it. No. Where's the accountability? And. Oh, don't I okay you, can you please speak on accountability because I feel like we need to hear uh, accountability. I don't think I can I, I just don't think there is enough mm. at all particularly in the um, evangelical mm. church because too many people in the I mean this is probably going way off topic really no, mm. fine, um, too many people in the evangelical church actually don't even have um, like the academic know all they just, they felt like God told them they needed to be a pastor. And so they are. <laughs> like, God. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, yeah, a, yeah. literally. That's a, what? How? Yeah. Whereas with the um, Anglican church or what have you, in order mm. to, to start that whole process, you have to have referees and you have to go through all of these processes. Like it's really. Thorough. It's very thorough. And then the accountability is massive. Whereas um, there just isn't any really, with most evangelical churches. That's mind-blowing. Yeah, it is mind-blowing. But not only that, it's actually not safe. No, at all. That's where I'm at. You put a young person in charge of other young people. and They just do what they think is right. Well, they do what they think is right, but not only that, if one of those young people then decides to make some claims against them, Mm. who's backing them? Like... True. Yeah, Um, I, I think it's actually... I th- potentially it might have gotten better because I've been out such a long time now. Mm. But then in saying that, I've still seen family members over the years be involved and just had to to sit back and watch. And as much as I have been able to maybe kindly, if I could, sort of make, make suggestions around, hey, you know, do you see someone? Do you have accountability? Do you make sure you don't drive girls home on your own? You know, like, mm. because they're, you know, like no one thinks about that stuff. No, because it's a church and everyone thinks it's all like, you know, mm. it's it's safe. Mm. I think church has a veil of safety. Yeah. And that veil 100%. is too strong. Yeah. Like I like I have nobody I have nothing against people who are in church, mm. but I think when we look at the history of church as an institute or as a body of knowledge, 
completely different view. Mm. Yeah. And I think we need to look at all angles as well. As not, I'm not saying that I I want churches burnt, but I feel like oh God, some some areas where the jurisdiction, because I feel like when it comes to areas of like mental health and um, rape or any of these sexual allegations, all of those areas, I'm like, you need to tap in somebody who's, because speaking from my own experience, yeah. I've, 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 I've heard personally of people yeah. go to the, to their pastors, say this, and they didn't call the police mm. first. No. They didn't call the police to report an issue. They didn't call counsellors to wrap around and mm. they didn't do the whole, well, basically ill-equipped Ill to actually handle yeah, that scenario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the part that I'm like, I don't think that churches know when to tap out. No. You know, and it's, it's because they're, they're the authority. They're the authority in that yeah. space. And in my head, I'm like, I'm sorry, but in the real world, there's some real repercussions that happen when you don't follow the processes that are at play to actually support the victims in yep. the scenario. And that's the part where I'm like, <sighs> yeah, but and saying that from the get go, like imagine going to Sunday school and like, I'm so excited. I'm so happy to be a part of this, this co-papa mm. and I'm sitting there and then they tell me straight in my face, like, you know, <laughs> marriage is between Adam and Eve. And in my head, Oy, I'm like, not Adam and Stu. Yeah. <laughs> I had to learn that when I came to New Zealand. Yeah. But knowing that at a young age and sitting there and feeling completely, completely non-belonging to this this community, yeah. and that's the only community that I know. Like, that's my lived experience of being like, okay, yeah. well, you're telling me from the get-go that I will not be ever be a part of this community. And I, I totally grew up believing that because that's what I was told. Mm. Yeah. I don't even remember when I started to think that actually probably it was rubbish. I think it just kind of happened. Naturally. Yeah, I think so. I think I met people who were Adam and Steve. Mm. And I was like, actually, you're a really good person. I don't think I want to believe in a God that would think that you're, you know, condemned but, to hell. And if, I think, if it's a thing. Yeah. And I think just, just the queer, like queer issues with, with the Bible and, and, and with, with church issues, I feel like that's low-hanging fruit. Like, yeah, it is. Like yeah. human issues with the church, that's, that's where I'm like, hmm where's the space where we talk about this? No, or? we don't. Yeah. Well, maybe they do now. It's been a while. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I even saw that some churches were tackling um, the <laughs> the case of um, racism. Oh. And it, it, like, especially after the Black Lives Matter yeah. movements, some churches in 2020 were tackling race issues. And in my head, I'm like, <laughs> how convenient because it's relevant. You know, it's, it's, it's with the cause. We need to all talk about it. But the catch 22 is like, I'm thankful that we've actually started to talk about it. But I'm like, in 2020. Mm. Do you think that though the churches are starting to feel guilty for colonising Indigenous cultures? Like, my understanding of the world is that white people were like, <laughs> we'll go to all these, like, these natives who don't know God, we will save them. And now maybe they're like, oh, shit, maybe we shouldn't have done that. I don't think most people have even thought about it. Nah. Mm. To be honest. Go there. No, I just don't. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they make the connection between their ancestors and themselves um, and and actually being a part of all of that. Mm. Yeah. Because religion is only in, well, 
Western religion is yeah. only in New Zealand because of the colon totally. because of colonization. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Military, missionary, mm. and mm. the masses. Yeah. That's yeah. how they colonized a lot of indigenous um, folks. And the missionaries, like, this is the weird part, and it's like, some missionaries actually were so freaking good and advocated for for, for the indigenous yeah. folk and mm. learned the language and actually had a heart for the people. But the majority of the work that was done was to kind of erase and save mm. the, the natives yeah. and the primitives. Save them from themselves. Mm. Go there. Yeah. Because they want to, like... Our way of life is yeah. the best way of life, yeah, of and we want to share that with the world. Yeah, you've talked a lot about like religion, mm. um, <laughs> just a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you think that there's a difference between religion and faith? What is that thing about faith? Faith is uh, believing in something you cannot see. Mm. Um. Yeah, absolutely. I think there is. I think um, re- like religiosity mm. in and of itself and faith are two completely different things. Mm. Um, I think faith for me is a bit more gentle mm-hmm. and it's more about actually actively, it's actively living what you believe in your religion perhaps. Mm-hmm. If I zoom out and like jump into philosophical lands, I feel like everyone has faith and mm. their, their recipe or their ingredients, which is the religious part. Because mm. I feel like religious for me is like ritual or, or, mm. or routine. Mm. Yeah. So I'm like yeah. f- having faith. Everyone has mm. faith. But like, so that's why I had to kind of like jump outside of religious world into philosophical land. Because mm. if I if I describe it from religious world, there's a massive difference there. Mm. But like if I just describe from a philosophical lens, everyone's got faith that they're going to do something in that day or do something yeah. in that year that to change. the sun will come up. That, mm. yeah. And then the, the, the ingredients to that is the religious part, which is they're mm. the redoing things in a ritual or routine. And that part where I'm like, okay, I completely agree with you because everyone's got faith in something. They just, like, I guess we don't want to attach it to religion because... Mm religion's got such a beautiful complex background to life but and 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 say like going back to what you're saying it's like religion spirituality what what like is there a connection there is there or faith and spirituality Mm. i actually think for the most part they're the same thing wrapped up differently go there yeah i think it just depends on your worldview Mm. so some people think of themselves as spiritual um, and often I think people who think of themselves as spiritual don't have a connection to the like church mm. in the same way um, whereas people with a, some sort of a, a church based um, connection would think of themselves as having a faith mm. Yeah, I identify with that, I think that I'm more of a spiritual person and, yep. and my experiences within church is quite limited mm. So yeah. what would your current standings be? Like, would you be an, an atheist, a believer? Like, wh- wh- where are you in that current space? I've tried a few times to put myself in a box. Mm. Um, just because it seemed like the cool thing to do. Um, <laughs> but I haven't really found one that fits. Mm. Mm. Um 
My dad always said um, he really likes Jesus, but he's not too keen on his friends. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> um, um, I feel I like it. I want to hang yeah, out with your we, dad. Can we, can we talk to your dad? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, and I think I, um, as simplistic as that is, I, I do probably think that's quite true. Mm. Um, but I think probably in terms of what I think Jesus is, is probably different from what I grew up thinking Jesus was as mm. well. Yeah. No, and what about you, Kelsey? What was the question? Like, what? are you an atheist? <laughs> are you a believer? Are you... Um, I, like, have my own relationship with some kind of higher power. Mm. Um, and I don't I don't try to label it. It's yeah. just what it is and it changes and it's fluid. Mm. And sometimes I'm more engaged with it than I am at other times. Yeah, that's, that sounds pretty awesome. Mm. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't always have to be some kind of spiritual higher being, like... Recently, I've been really enjoying the atmosphere or like the vibe mm. of when I'm just like doing my here on my computer, but I have like all my candles lit and some incense going, mm. and that's just kind of like a a mental like chill space where yep. I can just be. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so I'm really enjoying that at the moment. I think I find like just as cheesy as this is going to sound. Um, <laughs> Just actually being in the garden mm. and being amongst like trees and the animals and mm. like I guess that's kind of I am there's a, a whole line of thinking around it but I can't even think of what the word is now I kind of feel like if there is a God it's in everything mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. love it yeah love 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 it because because I'm currently leaning towards omniest yeah. So um, if, if you're not familiar with what that is, um, Kelsey just gave me a face like, huh? Like, <laughs> what is that? So someone who doesn't believe in one religion, mm. uh, but at the same time yeah. sees multiple truths in, yeah. in all of them. Yeah. Mm. So for me, I feel like depending on your lens, you can see like I can read any religious um, text and like whatever my focado is or my worldview is. Mm. I can amplify it to whatever, like to whatever it suits. So mm. to me, I can... I guess I'm very similar to you in terms of um, I've been literally going into nature and just I'm, 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 I'm about to be able to talk to like trees and like just tell my woes to trees and the ocean. So I'm going to the ocean soon nice. and just doing this practice. So I learned it from the union. Um, shout out to um, if, if, if miss. So that's the faculty of Maori and indigenous studies at uni. But um, they have this thing called go and tell them wana. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, that's freaking cool. Yeah. Like if mm. I don't have my ancestors or my grandparents to talk to, I'm like they're ingrained in, in all of these like big bodies. Mm. So I'm like I'm I'm definitely seeing the strength in that because yeah. I feel like consciousness, is spe- well, I've been speaking about consciousness for a little bit, but I'm so infant in my understanding of what consciousness is. But plants, yeah. plants and consciousness is just such a beautiful thing. Yeah. And I love the fact that I've slowly dived into that space, mm. but it totally backs like this science, scientific evidence yeah. to back what you're saying. Yeah. Mm. yeah, and there's lots of interesting Buddhist practices around mm. all of that too. So, yeah. boom, yeah. boom. Um, but to kind of go back to the original purpose for your podcast around mm. sexuality, um, I guess where I'm at now is I have a ten-year-old child, so what do I do with what I've learned and how do I 
help him to make good choices that probably aren't the choices that I would have made mm. um, with the information I had. So how do you how do you cross that bridge and get to a place where because I don't want to be judgmental of him, but I want him to have a good time that maybe I didn't have. Um, but I need for him to be respectful of other people and be respected by other people. So mm. how do we now develop a, a framework for me to be someone's mum who's going to now move into that mm. that space in the next however long? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know the answer. So if you've got any, Joseph. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I feel like, yeah, that's yeah. such a massive, like, Literally, that's a that's a fuck you topic because yeah. Yeah, to me, sure. it's like knowing all of these things doesn't make me feel better because I have to mm. live in this space still. Mm. But then also the fuck you moment is how do you transfer mm. this like all it's like succeeding generationally the knowledge that you've learned yeah. without limiting your child yeah. or without mm. choke holding them and or being a helicopter parent. Yeah, and I feel like. Yeah, I, I like thank you for bringing that to my mind because I've always been critical of my mum, but then in my head I'm like, my mum wasn't the best equipped. No, she person did what she could with the information she had. And I'm yeah. like, you're totally challenging me because I've I've always wanted to be a father, mm. and in my head I'm like, this question literally I am so clueless of. Yeah, how do I transfer the knowledge? And is is my knowledge and my hurt the the actual mm. knowledge mm. and hurt that yeah. my my child should take yeah. with them? And I, I would I would hope that mine doesn't mm. take my hurt but somehow figures out his own worldview around all of this and and is just a kind human being um along the way yeah turns out better than me <laughs> <laughs> i feel like that's that's the number one goal but yeah. um also what are your thoughts around coaching and and being a mentor as opposed to being a parent or do you think that that's the same thing or should be the same thing I think it depends on on your kind of philosophy on parenting. Mm, true that, actually. Yeah. I often say to my child when he's like, no, I don't like you. And I'm like, well, I didn't have you, so I could have more friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's so good. Can we have more parents that are just straight yeah. up like you? Because I'm like... I feel like you're literally leading in parenthood right now because I'm like, you're just honest. Mm. Yeah, so I don't know. I think it, it depends on, mm. yeah. Because obviously in my case, there's two parents. So we have to try and figure out how to make that work for for both of us, for him. Mm. Poor child. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what are topics in the far queue that <laughs> have been sitting there for you that you want to bring out to the front? Maybe um, you can tell me if this is relevant. But how to be kind to our, our guilt and um, and our shame, probably. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably what I've really struggled with. Mm. Um, and I, I would like no one else to have to do that because it's actually not really fair to the other human being that you're <laughs> engaging with because you, you put all your shit mm. onto them and it's a lot for them to take on. Um, and challenge, um, challenge how you think about stuff because it might not actually be right. Yeah. Love um, that. 
I'm I'm in love with the both of those. I feel like the first one really hit hit home because we don't like I I feel like society in general. This is something that we really are like. Mm, like you're cool and all, just don't show me your shame or your vulnerability. Yeah. Oh, so often. Like, I like you in a package deal. So you yeah. come with, um, with, like, you for me, this, 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 and this, and you can't be any anything else. Mm. Or, like, if you do come to the to the table with that guilt or that shame, then often I find people feel like they're being a burden rather than being, like, a whole human. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And that's, like, like, going back to what you were saying before around not showing up because you don't want to, 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 to put on a face or put mm. on, I'm, I, I, I don't know how to show up for other people if I can't show up for myself. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like if I can't show up for myself, for damn sure I'm not going to go and put, be vulnerable in front of all these other people yeah. who expect the certain Joe. And in my head I'm like, uh, Joe ain't ready to perform today, okay? Jo- mm. Joe's sick. Yeah. I think that's where it's really important to find your people mm. where you can be your whole self. Yeah. And I think mm. sometimes too what, what I've discovered with in terms of my kind of um, my journey around like mental health and stuff like that um, is I've had to just remove the stigma for myself and actually just talk about it to people mm. and not be embarrassed and just go, you know what, actually this is me, and yep, I did double my meds during lockdown, and it was really helpful. I was like Teflon. It was amazing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And just be real open about it, Mm. because more often than not, other people will probably feel really similarly, but they don't know that you've also been struggling with this for like 20 years of your life, Mm. um, because you take the meds and everything's fine. (laughs) True that, true yeah. that. Um, so I think just actually being vulnerable about about it to to anyone who not who's willing to listen because I'm not you know starting a Facebook group about <laughs> it or anything, but you know just actually being honest about stuff when people ask you say, mm. yeah, well actually this is my reality. All right. Does it help you? <laughs> True, because I feel like, well, for me, storytelling is beautiful, and I, I love hearing people who are authentic and just go there. So going to your second um, uh, topic around the FAQ, mm. um, what is something that you were adamant that you were right about, apart from Christianity and religious talk, yeah. that, mm. you, that you had to relearn? A lot of things. Mm. Um, <laughs> no, just pick yeah. a couple. <laughs> I think probably um, just that actually, like, sex is supposed to be fun. Mm. Well, I don't know if it's supposed to be. Does it say that somewhere? Maybe. Um, in the fine print. Yeah, in the fine print. So well, it's supposed to be pleasurable. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. But sometimes things are pleasurable without being fun. Um, so. <laughs> you right, you right. <laughs> so, yeah, actually just going, you know what, this is actually supposed to be fun. And just you can actually enjoy this. Mm. You're allowed mm. to. It doesn't make you like a naughty person or, you know, all of that kind of weird. Oh, you got toys. You're yeah. weird. <laughs> what? You watch something to compliment that? No, that's not. That's wrong. Yeah. So just that that whole um, headspace, I guess. Mm. Yeah. I don't know if I have a second one necessarily. No, that's good. I, I, I feel like when you said there's a lot, um, mm-hmm. it really does um, coincide with a lot of other um, guest speakers who just say that they've really tried to – relearn themselves through different spaces and places and Mm. I think um, what you said um, about critically analysing your thoughts to see if maybe they could be wrong or Mm. maybe the recipe could be wrong and in my head I'm like 
I'm still challenging the, like, I'm still challenging myself through that yeah. and the whole decolonizing process. Mm. It's it's tough because I, like if I'm being honest, there's not a lot of support for out there in the physical like real world. Like there's online is great, but online is only as good as like your mental capacity to actually put yourself there. Yeah. Um, but I do have my meme friends. So I love like whenever I see some memes that are really like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to share this with somebody. Yeah, totally. And I'm like, um, I've been invited to this really like, um, it's just, it's, it's all about humor. Yeah. So all of the, all of the memes are, are left, like they're super left yeah. in terms of being like, I don't think anyone else would find this funny because it's like hitting on like all the inequities in society. <laughs> but somehow I'm like, this is the funniest <laughs> shit ever. <laughs> I haven't seen any racist or like homophobic mm. stuff there yet, Good. but Come. I feel like it's, yeah, it, it's, it's that border, that fine line between humor and bigotry. Yeah. But yes, mm, um, okay. anything, what would you say um, would be, your biggest advice to give to, let's say, 23-year-old you? Um, As our last farewell. <laughs> it's quite a big question. Mm. Well, you said that 23 was when you were just got engaged, right? Yeah, totally. Um, I don't know if there's actually anything I could have said to me then that would have made a difference to me. Mm. I think sometimes you just have to live through the shit. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. to come yeah. out the other side. So probably I wouldn't be me now if I had been able to go and tap me on the shoulder <gasps> no and go. Regrets. Yeah, I mean there are some. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but well, no, no, there are some. <laughs> yeah, there definitely are some. Things could have been easier. Um, but I guess if things had been easier, I wouldn't have turned out to be me. And mm. yeah, so. I don't I don't think there's really anything I could have done to prepare me. Maybe maybe just give myself a break. Mm. A little bit a little bit more. Yeah. Don't put so much pressure on myself. Um, because everyone else is already doing that anyway. So you know, True truth. That. Yeah. All right. Sorry, I've got one more question. Sorry. Yeah, sure. How do you hold space? Because I feel like I've met a lot of different people mm. and you hold space for anyone that you're talking to differently. So to me, I'm like, what is your recipe to holding space? Is it because your lived experiences or someone taught you how to hold space or your son or your family? Like you've like, if I'm being honest, you know how to hold space a little bit more better than other people that I've met. That's very kind of you to say. Mm. Um, I actually just really like people. <laughs> For an intro- introvert? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I find wow. people fascinating. So I'm I'm that person that at the end of the night we leave a party or a, probably not a party I try not to go to this, uh, but some sort of <laughs> gathering and I'll say to my husband oh blah 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 about blah 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 and blah 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 he's like how on earth did you know that I was like I just asked people questions mm. and people will actually tell you anything mm-hmm. if you show some interest in them mm-hmm. and I'm just generally interested in people yeah and if I can leave a party without them knowing anything about me I've done even better. I love that. I'm going to challenge myself like, next let time. Let me Adam. ask you everything. Who am I? You will never know. <laughs> love All that. Right. Join us for a farewell. If um if people want to connect with you, how can they how can they do that? Oh, wow. Do you have any, like, I mean, I've got a socials? massive Instagram account. Yeah, it's huge. Mm. I've got at least 17 people following <laughs> me. Yeah. <laughs> Plug that in. Plug yeah. that in. I am uh, Amanda uh, Amanda dot, uh, dot ratox. 
on Instagram. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much as big as I get in <laughs> wow. the old online world. I really prefer people in real life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Mm. All right, we'll yeah. put that down below. And okay. you can also um, connect with us on yes. Instagram too. Cool. Thanks for today. It's been really fun. And I've so enjoyed all the lead up. Like I have, have had conversations with you guys that I haven't had with anyone else for like a really long time. So I, it's been really good. It's made me have to like think again. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that I had this intelligence. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right. The fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Goodbye.